Good morning, Central. Happy Easter. Y'all look fantastic today. If you're watching us online, thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, whether it's Facebook Live or our website, uh, we're just really glad you're joining us on this Easter Sunday. Happy Easter to you as well. If you're new to, to Central, if you're visiting or from out of town and not really accustomed to what we normally do here, take out, everybody take out the white bulletin insert that you received on your way in and just tear the perforation now. Just, just rip that thing in half. And, and the thin portion that's in your hand is called a communication card. And you can update your contact information or give us your contact information uh, so we can get you on our, our mailing list and send out the weekly electronic bulletin if you'd like to receive that. Uh, but at the top of that, there's a place for prayer requests. And we take prayer seriously here. If you have a prayer need for you or your family or loved one, write that down on the top of that communication card. When you exit uh, today, there, there are boxes attached to the walls at every exit. Just drop that in the box that says prayer requests and offerings, and we'll get that on the prayer list this week. If you have a physical offering, a check or cash that you'd like to worship the Lord with this morning, go ahead and drop that off in that box as well. I've been here a little over 10 years, never had an 80-degree Easter. Come on, somebody. That's pretty good news this morning. That's really good news. Let's pray. Lord, we, we thank you for the, the power of the resurrection that lives in us through Christ. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here to guide us in, in, in the scriptures this morning, to open our hearts and our minds to understand it, and then, and then to help us apply it, Lord, that we can see the, the life change that you intend for us, God. So thank you for everyone that's here, Lord. Speak to us now from scripture in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you have a Bible this morning, and I hope you do, turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 11. If you need a Bible, there might be one in the seat back pocket in front of you, or if you're up front, there might be one under the seat. Most of you probably came this morning expecting that I was going to be at the very end of one of the Gospels, talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, the empty tomb, and all of that. But we're going to look at, at a different resurrection today. We're going to talk about the resurrection of Christ, but in a little different angle. We're going to look at a story in John 11 when Jesus raised a man named Lazarus from the dead. It's a story of, of hope. So as you're turning to John 11, all of us have regrets. Things we wish we could do over. Things we wish we had a second chance in. Whether it's words that we've spoken, decisions that we've made, or things that we've done. We all wish we could have a do-over. Maybe as early as this morning, you, you, you said something or did something that you wish you could have, you could have done over. Uh, when I was just, just new in ministry, I was serving in a church that, that was large enough to where you didn't see everybody every week. And so there was a young couple that was pregnant, and, and I saw them one week and, and uh, you know, encouraged them. And I hadn't seen them in a couple of months. And so when they came back, I, I, I looked at her, and it, things didn't seem to change much. And I said, so when are you due? And she said, well, I had the baby six weeks ago. I'm like, oh, you really don't look pregnant. Right. You ever just want to get those words back as you're talking to somebody? Um, I coach high school basketball in California, and we, we were playing in a tournament uh, again, in the semifinals of the tournament against the host team. Packed crowd, big game on a, on a, on a Friday night, and um, we played great. We were winning the game by one point with five seconds to go. And we had, we had run this full court pressure defense the whole game, and it really gave them problems. And they called a timeout, they had the ball, five seconds to go, and we're in the huddle, and I said, you know what? 
they're expecting that we're going to be in that press, so we're going to fool them. We're going we're to go into a man-to-man defense. So I put my best defensive player on their best offensive player, and they brought the ball into their best offensive player, and he just dribbled down the court and scored a basket when the buzzer went off. We won. Just like UCLA last night, we lost. Heartbreaking defeat, and I have to go into the locker room and just say, guys, that's on me. Like, you were playing a great game, and I just made a bonehead decision to make. You wish you could have a do-over, that you could just change some excuse me, decisions that you made in life. How about parenting mistakes? Anybody ever made a parenting mistake? You're lying if you don't raise your hand and you're a parent right now. We've all made parenting mistakes. So my, my daughter Shannon, our firstborn, was three years old, about three, and we were at that stage where she was out of her crib, she was in her own bed, but she kept getting out of her bed to come out and she didn't want to go to sleep, and, and so she would come out and say, hey, can I have a what? I drink a water, I want a glass of water. They want five glasses of water before they go to bed. So she came out one night, can I have a glass of water? And we said yes, and then she went back to bed. And then a few minutes later, she comes back, says, I don't feel good. And we're saying, you're fine, you need to go to sleep. Don't come back out ever. You go to sleep, you stay in there and don't come back out. Well, she cried for another 30 minutes. After 30 minutes, she walked back out into the living room. She had thrown up in her bed. She had puke all in her hair, all in her clothes, everything. We're like great parents, aren't we? You go sleep in your puke. You don't come out of there no matter what. Right? You just feel horrible. And, and we, we do those. And we wish we could do those things over. Well, this story is about a second chance. It's, it's about the hope of a do-over in life. John chapter 11. Let me give you a little background to the story. Lazarus is the guy that gets raised from the dead. Lazarus had two sisters. One was named Martha, and one was named Mary. And they, they, they lived in a little village called Bethany. Bethany was sort of like a suburb of Jerusalem, just about two miles, a little less than two miles, outside of Jerusalem. It was on the, the, the eastern slope of the Mount of Olives. How many of you have ever heard of the Mount of Olives? Okay, famous place. The Mount of Olives was where Jesus was when he ascended to go back to the Father, and Scripture says it's the Mount of Olives. That's the place Jesus is going to come back the second time, and he's going to enter the, 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 the gates of the temple, the eastern side of the temple in Jerusalem. So, so um, Bethany is at, the, is at the base of the Mount of Olives. Now, at the base of the Mount of Olives is a place called the Garden of Gethsemane. How many of you have heard of the Garden of Gethsemane? That's where Jesus prayed the night before he was crucified. Father, if this cup can pass from me, let it pass, right? So the Garden of Gethsemane, the Mount of Olives, Olives, Bethany is right next to that. Bethany, which which is where uh, Lazarus and and Martha and Mary lived. And by the way, in verse 5, John says, Jesus loved this family. He loved Lazarus and he loved Martha and he loved Mary. They were his family. It was like a bed and breakfast. Whenever Jesus went to Jerusalem, he'd go into Jerusalem during the day and do his business, then he'd come out and he'd stay at the house of Lazarus and Martha and Mary. Well, Lazarus got really sick, and so the sisters sent word to Jesus. He wasn't in Jerusalem. He was farther away, and it says that Jesus got delayed and wasn't able to come and see Lazarus right away. By the time Jesus finally gets to Bethany, uh, Lazarus has died. So we pick up the story after Lazarus has died, and his sister Martha is going out to meet Jesus as he comes after Lazarus has died. Verse 20, Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at the house. Martha then said to Jesus, listen to these words, Lord, if you had been here, 
my brother would not have died. You could have done something about it. But even now, she said, I know that whatever you ask of God, he will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I I know, Lord, that, that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? She said to him, yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. When she had said this, she went away and called Mary, her sister, saying secretly to Mary, the teacher is here, Jesus is here, and he's calling for you. And when Mary heard it, she got up from the house quickly and and went out to meet Jesus. Jesus had not yet come into the village, but he was still in the place where he and Martha had met. Then the Jews who were with Mary in the house and consoling her, when they saw Mary get up quickly and go out, that they, they followed her, supposing she was going out to the tomb to weep. Therefore, when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him and she fell at Jesus' feet and said to him, Lord, if the exact same words as Martha had said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, he saw her grief, and the Jews who had come out with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled and said, where have you laid Lazarus? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus being not only fully God, but fully human, seeing those that he loved mourning and weeping, it says that Jesus also wept. So the Jews were saying, see how much he loved Lazarus and this family. But some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man also from dying? So Jesus, again, being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Now, it was a cave, and a stone was lying against it, very similar to the tomb that Jesus was laid in. There was an entrance to the tomb, and it was at an angle, and the stone, this large stone, was rolled down and sealed the entrance to the tomb. Jesus said, remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he's been dead four days. In other words, the body is going to begin to decompose and it's going to smell. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Jesus must have prayed a prayer silently or privately that God, would you raise Lazarus from the dead. He says, I know that you always hear me, but because of the people standing around, I said it so that they might believe that you sent me as you see, as they see your power. Verse 43, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The man who had died came forth, bound, hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. Jesus said to them, the disciples, unbind him and let him go. When the Jews buried their own, they wrapped them in linen cloths tightly. They, they first put spices all over their body and then wrapped them tightly in linen, linen cloths so that when the body began to decompose and smell, that the, the spices and the scent of those spices would, would at least somewhat offset the, the stench of decomposition in the body. John said that miracles of Jesus were signs. He said they point to something about Jesus. If that's true, what does this miracle teach us? about Jesus Christ. If you're taking notes this morning, I want to just suggest three things. The first is this. Jesus will temporarily disappoint us. Jesus will temporarily disappoint us. 
It's part of the faith journey. If you, if you are a follower of Christ, at some point, he's going to disappoint you. What is disappointment? Disappointment is, is the feeling we feel when our expectations are not met. We have expectations about a relationship or about a circumstance or about a job. That things ought to go this way, and when they, when they don't go that way, we become disappointed, grieved, hurt. Like, like my wife when we got married. Not, not the whole marriage, but, but, but a certain part of the marriage. See, see, my wife, Shirlene, had an expectation. She expected that when you were married and when it was time to go to sleep, that you would hug each other and fall asleep in each other's arms. Right. So, Shirlene and I did not live together before we were married, so we weren't used to sleeping with anyone. So this was like a new experience for us. And so I had to explain to her um, that, that while that sounded in theory really good and, and that, it, that it seemed romantic, whatever, um, I had to explain to her why this was not the will of God for our lives. So yes, a quick kiss. Yes, a quick hug. But then we roll as far away as we can from each other so that we don't have to touch each other again while we're trying to sleep. It's why God created king-size beds, so that there's an entire city between you and your spouse so you can get some sleep. If, if morning breath is not reason enough to not want to wake up in each other's arms, I don't know what is. I mean, you thought Lazarus's tomb smelled bad? Come, come on, somebody. Needless to say, there were some tears shed that first wedding night when I, I did not hold my wife all night, um, nor have I held her since all night, but that's another subject. <laughs> Martha and Mary were disappointed. Martha and Mary had unmet expectations by Jesus. Let's read verses 21, 22, and 32. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Mary comes out in verse 32. She arrived, and when she saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, same thing. If only you had been here, my brother would not have died. What is she saying? Lord, if you really loved me, you would have come sooner. If you really cared about me, my brother would still be alive. I wouldn't be in this grief if, if you cared about me. If you really loved me, you would have handled this situation totally differently. You would have handled it the way I wanted it handled. Have you ever said that to God? If you really loved me, you would have kept them alive. If you really loved me, I would be able to get pregnant. If you really loved me, this, this would not be going on in my life. And so we, we live in the disappointment of unmet expectations with God. God didn't do things the way we thought he should have. Friends, disappointment is part of our faith journey. Disappointment is part of the reality of walking with God. What is God's response to our disappointment when our expectations are not met? Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, God addresses this. He says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. We think differently. We, we don't think on the same plane. And he goes on and says, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. We handle things differently. We not only think about things differently, 
but we go about handling them. My ways are different than your ways. Then listen to what he says. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. What is God saying? My thoughts are, are far above your thoughts. It means that God sees life, God sees our circumstances from a heavenly and an eternal perspective. He has a different view on life. He sees the beginning and he sees the end. He has an eternal perspective. We have an immediate temporary perspective. We see, we see, see things only as they are right now. And so we're disappointed. We're disappointed because we don't, we don't see the outcome that God sees from a heavenly perspective. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Your ways are not my ways. My, my thoughts and ways are higher than yours. I see more than you do. I see the outcome. Listen to what Jesus said to, uh, hold on just a second. With it. There we go. So Paul says this, everything God works in our life is for our good. Behind the scenes, God is not working to make our lives miserable. Not, God is not working evil in our lives. He's working everything for good. So Paul says, we know, we have confidence that God causes everything to come together, to work together for what? For good. For the good of those who, who, who love God and are called according to his purpose. So God right now is working in your situation for good. You're dealing right now with the cross, but the resurrection is coming. Look at what Jesus says to Martha. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you believe, the word believe there means trust, if you trust me, if you trust me in your disappointment, if you trust me in your sorrow, if you trust me in your unmet expectations, didn't I tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God. Didn't I tell you that if, if you put your trust in me, even though you're in pain right now, even though you're disappointed right now, that you would see the glory of God? See, true faith says this to God. You could have stopped my pain, but I surrender to your plan, and I will see your glory. That's what solid faith, that's what mature faith says. It says, God, I, I recognize you could have stopped my pain. You could have prevented my pain. But in the midst of my pain, I submit to your plan. I surrender to your plan, trusting, believing that I will see your glory. Amen? Maybe you're in that pain right now, and you're waiting to see his glory. Trust him. Trust him that he's turning this for good. Well, not only did, did Jesus, you know, following Jesus mean that he's going to temporarily disappoint us, but, but in this story, Jesus doesn't do everything. Jesus doesn't do everything in this story. But let's read the text. Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unbind him and let him go. Take the grave clothes off. Now, notice that Jesus gives Lazarus life. Jesus is the one whose power raises Lazarus from the dead. But then what does he ask the disciples to do? Take the grave clothes off. What are grave clothes? Grave clothes represent old sins, old sinful habits in our lives, things that keep us from walking in freedom. What grave clothes are you still wearing? What's keeping you from walking in freedom in Christ? 
Jesus gives life to Lazarus, and then he tells the disciples, now you go and you take off these grave clothes so Lazarus can move more, more freely. He can be liberated in his life. See, the church of Christ cannot give you life. Only Jesus can give you life. But the church can help to set you free once you've experienced that life. But what we've done in the church, what we're guilty of, is we've reversed the process. And and we've told people that, that have not been made alive by Jesus, you need to get those grave clothes off. You need to live differently. You need to live without sin. You need to get rid of those habits. And we're expecting a dead person to live like a living person. And they can't until they've been made alive by Jesus Christ. There there are people that grow up in the church, people that attend church, but they've never surrendered their life to Christ. We we see them as Christians because they're church people, and we expect them to live like a resurrected person, but they've, they've not been resurrected yet. The church can only help those that have been made alive already by Jesus Christ. He says to the disciples, take off their grave clothes. Help them find, find freedom and liberty. And that's what the church can help with through, through preaching, through teaching, through prayer, through support, through accountability, through encouragement. We can encourage people to begin to remove some of the grave clothes off of their life. I, I had a friend named Dave. He was an older man. He was in the, the church that I was on staff at. I had just graduated from college. I had played four years of college basketball. It was so fun, one of the greatest experiences of my life. I enjoyed it, and I was pretty much done with basketball at that point. I'd, I'd play pickup games every now and, now and then. But. And he was, we had three church league basketball teams in our church. And he said, he said Wheels, I want, you to, I want you to play on our basketball team. I said, is it church league? He said, yeah, yeah, you can play on my team. I said, no, I'm not playing church league. In the first place, it doesn't resemble church in any way. Let's just call it what it is. It's Satan's league. Because the guys that play in church league, they cuss more. They have worse attitudes than even the guys in the city league. It's hell. I'm not going back to hell. He said, no, no, you got to come. You got to play. I said, finally, I relented. Okay. You know what happened, don't you? I got sucked into that culture of, of fighting and complaining and and, and pretty soon I was in other guys' face. I was in their grill yelling. I was yelling at the referees, and I got kicked out of the game. Two technical fouls, and the ref said, you're out. Not only out of the game, he didn't even let me go and sit on the bench. He said, you're out of the building. I'm Pastor Wheeler at that point of time. <laughs> and he, he held the ball, and he waited till Pastor Wheeler left the gym because he couldn't control himself. So I, I called Dave the next day, and I said, I'm done. I told you what was going to happen. You knew what was going to happen. I, I, I'm done with it. I, I played college ball. That was enough. He said, you can't quit. Here's what Dave told me in, in not these exact words. He said, dude, you got grave clothes on, and you need to lose them. In fact, bro, you smell like a tomb. You smell like you just walked out of a tomb. And God, God wants to deal with those attitudes of pride and anger, and frustration with people. You're you're like Lazarus walking out of the tomb. You've got some life, but you've got some problems. And I said, okay. And so I stuck with it. No more technical fouls the the rest of of the year. And Dave literally pulled some grave clothes off of my life. See, Jesus doesn't do everything. 
If you're not in a life group, you need to be in a life group because you know what happens in life groups? People call you out. People say, you know what, you, you smell in a nice way. I, I'm noticing that attitude. I'm noticing, you know, the way you handled that. And those are old, sinful habits. God wants to set you free. So we sit, we sit across the coffee table and we talk about how we can get free in Christ, how the Lord can help us to lay aside those grave clothes. The third thing in this story that we learn is that Jesus offers us a new beginning. Jesus offers us a new beginning. Lazarus got a do-over. Think about this story. Lazarus got a second chance. Lazarus had lived a life. He, he died, and then Jesus raised him back physically, and he was, he was able to, to do it again. I believe that when Lazarus was raised from the dead, he was raised with all of the mental faculties and, and memory that he had before he died. I believe he knew his sisters. I believe that, that he knew his friends. I, I believe he knew that he, what he had done in, in his past life. Think about Lazarus being raised and given a second chance, a new beginning. Do you think he lived life differently? What do you think? Do you think he said things like, you know, now that I've got a second chance, I'm not going to spend as much time at the office. I'm going to spend more time with family. Do you think he said, you know what, my priorities need to change. Those, those, those sinful things I used to do that didn't lead to life, that didn't really help me, that kind of bound me, I'm, I'm going I'm to let those things go, and I'm going to take advantage of the life that I have now. Let me ask you this. If God gave you a new life, would you live differently? If God gave you a second chance, a new beginning, would you live any differently than you are right now? Let me dig a little deeper for those of you that are Christ followers. Are you living a different life since you've come to know Jesus Christ, since you've been raised from death to life, since you have the Holy Spirit in your life? Are you taking advantage of new life in Christ? Look in verses 43 and 44, or actually, um, where are we here? 23 to 26. There we go. Thank you. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises on the last day. Mary, a good Jew, knew the Old Testament. The book of Daniel said, in the last day, the righteous will rise to a resurrection of life. The, the unrighteous will, will be resurrected to eternal death. Mary knew that at the end of the, the age, everyone would be resurrected. I, I know on the last day that, that, that Lazarus will be resurrected. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Right now. You don't have to wait to the end of the age to experience the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I am right now the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Martha couldn't wrap her head around the fact that resurrection could take place in this life, that life change could happen now instead of at the end of the age. She couldn't fully understand that. But what Scripture teaches is we don't have to wait till the last day, the physical resurrection of the body, to experience the spiritual resurrection of Jesus Christ. I am the resurrection and the life. Not I will be the resurrection and the life. I am right now. New life, new beginning is possible through Christ right now. Listen to what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 6. Paul said, God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much 
that even though we were dead spiritually because of our sins, he gave us life. Say, he gave us life. He resurrected us. He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. We, when we come to Christ, we participate in his resurrection. In the same way Jesus was raised from the dead, we are raised spiritually from the dead, and we are new people. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. Everything has become new. He gave us life when he he raised Christ from the dead. It's by God's grace that you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ. Amen? And he seated us with Jesus right now in the heavenly realms. We, We live in a place of authority. We live in a place of victory. We live in a place of deliverance right now. We're seated spiritually next to Jesus Christ over the power of sin and death. Amen? That's where we dwell as believers. Let's finish that out. Seated with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Mary couldn't understand the the concept of new life, resurrection, right now. Jesus wanted her to understand that I am the resurrection. And, and, And when we come to Christ, we experience the resurrection, resurrection power of Jesus. Like Lazarus, let me ask you this question. What would you do with a new life? I was 18 years old. I was working at a grocery store in Southern California, stocking shelves, uh, graveyard shift, midnight to eight in the morning. I was far from God. A guy began to work there named Steve, and Steve was a great guy, youth pastor at a local church. And Steve started sharing with me uh, the story of how, how, how he became a Christian, what, what God did in his life, how he was different. And I began to feel convicted about my life, and, and I knew that, that I needed what, what Steve had. It was 3 o'clock in the morning, I'll never forget, I went over to aisle 3 where Steve was, was, was working, sugar, flour, baking chips, baking soda, that, that aisle, I'll never forget, I walked over there and I said, Steve, I think I'm ready to give my life to Christ. He said, awesome, so let's pray. So we went into the bathroom at Alpha Beta. I got paid to get filled with the Holy Spirit. I was on the clock. And we, we, we walked in there, and, and he prayed with me, and it was like a lightning from heaven struck my life. I experienced the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And something happened in that moment. I, I had grave clothes, and some of the grave clothes fell off of my life. The grave clothes of alcohol abuse. The grave clothes of drug use. The grave clothes of profanity. The grave clothes of shame because of those things. And friends, those, those grave clothes have never come back on. In that moment of experiencing Christ, I was, I was free. Now, lest you think more than, about me than you should, I still have really stinky grave clothes in my life. I've got attitudes, I've got character issues, I've got things in my life that stink, that smell like a tomb, that I'm still in the process with my wife and my life group and other people trying to help me strip away those grave clothes, those old sins and things in my life that keep me from walking in total liberty in Christ. But in that moment, I was resurrected to new life. I got a new beginning, and I started living differently. And I didn't want to go back. I didn't want to go back to those things that had me bound. I wanted to be free in Christ. And it's a lifelong process. I get that. But in that moment, Jesus can set you free. Would you like that freedom today? Would you like a new beginning? Would you like a fresh start? Would you bow your heads with me this morning?
And if you're here this morning and you've, you've attended church, you've come to church on Easter and Christmas, maybe even in between, maybe your mom and dad are Christians, maybe your whole family's a Christian, but you've never surrendered your heart to the one who died for you and rose again. You've never experienced the life-changing power of the resurrection. I'm gonna invite you to experience that right now. Would you pray this with me? Just say, Jesus, I know that I've sinned, and I know that you, you came to the earth not only to die on a cross and to sit in a tomb, but to be resurrected so I could have new life. Jesus, would you forgive me of my sin right now? Would you cleanse me of every sin I've ever committed and every sin I will ever commit? Would you fill me with your power right now? So, Lord, I want to I walk out of here today like Lazarus walked out of the tomb, a different person, a second chance, a new life. Fill me, Lord, with your power. In your name, amen. Friends, if you just prayed that prayer and you meant it for the first time, I guarantee you're going to experience the resurrection of Christ. That's what the Bible says, because you've been raised with him. I want you to do one more thing if you prayed that prayer, because we want to help you strip away some of the grave clothes. On your communication card, there's a place where you can check the box, I committed my life to Christ today, or I recommitted my life to Christ, or I want to talk to a pastor about what this means. We want to help you. Or you can simply text, start with Jesus to that number. Take your phone out right now if you prayed that prayer. Because we as the church, we can't give you life, but we can help get you free in Christ. What about the rest of you this morning? Are you living like you've been resurrected? You've been offered, if you know Christ, you've been given a second chance. You've been given a new beginning. How are you taking advantage of that? Are the grave clothes falling off or are you putting them back on? Come on, somebody. Be free today in the resurrection power of Jesus. Would you stand and pray with me this morning? God, we're here this morning and many are disappointed in you. Many are feeling the, the pain of the cross, the suffering of the cross. But Lord, help them to trust you, to trust that they'll see the glory of the resurrection come, that they'll see something change, they'll see your goodness, God. Lord, Lord for us, we, we pray today that we would take to heart the reality of the, the spiritual resurrection we have through Jesus, that we'd live differently. God, help us today to walk out of this church free in Christ. couple things as you leave this morning. First of all, um, we need everyone to, to exit out the side doors because we have people waiting to come in the middle doors. If you could accommodate that, that would be great. If this is your first time at Central, we have a special gift for you, some, some coffee we'd like to give away. No strings attached. It's in our main lobby at our welcome desk. Just stop by, say, hey, this is my first time here, and they'd be glad to grab you a little coffee. May you surrender your pain to God's plan and experience His glory. Like Lazarus, may you experience a new beginning, a fresh start through the power of Christ's resurrection. And may you be free from the grave clothes of sin as you sit with Jesus Christ in heavenly places. He's risen. He's risen. He's risen. Amen. Happy Easter. God bless you.